Hello, yes. Welcome to episode number 24 of Chew Cult Pop. We're still around temps. It's me, Stephen Hill. I'm here, as ever, joined by the, uh, the, 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 the custard cream to my Garibaldi, the two biscuits you always found in the bottom of mm. your mum's biscuit tin. You loved them because they stuck it out, didn't they? They stuck it out. They stayed there, and they, they, they were real biscuits with real integrity. And that is what I have, and that is what Sam Slight has. Sam, hi. You all right? Yeah, yeah I'm good. I prefer bourbon, if you're asking. Yes, I like a bourbon too, yeah, yeah, and time, hence time. why I didn't pick a bourbon because always the first to go. Snaffled up, weren't they? Yeah, snaffled yeah. up by someone else. Or Wednesday's yeah. We Wear Black is like the bourbon. That's what everybody likes. That's the one that people like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're like the sort of the one that you go. Shit, you I've got a bit of fruit in it. Yeah. Oh, do I want this? Not really, but I'll. But I do want a biscuit. And that's what you're like, isn't it? Because you want a podcast, <laughs> but you don't necessarily want this podcast. But you've got it anyway. Lowest common denominator. We're just going to sit Good. and do farts. Oh, yeah. great. Well, this is not the lowest common denominator. The shit no, we're talking about true. this week, Sam. We're fucking. We're, t- we're talking about some incredibly important and innovative music this week. I'll have you know, actually, everyone, Ooh. including Sam. I might have listened to the wrong albums then. Oh, <laughs> did you, did you listen to Chocolate Starfish again? I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. yeah well, then you had a better time than anyone, to be fair. But <laughs> on this week's show, we're going to be talking about new music from Sleaford Mods, from Periphery, from Slow Tie, from Juju, from Model Actress and from Snakes. Plus, last night, after raving about them, yeah, last week, and their new album shook, I went to see Algiers live in London. Mm-hmm. Only my third gig of the year. Pathetic embarrassment. They tried to, the snow tried to stop me getting to that. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not missing another gig. Fuck you. Fuck you, not weather. today. Fuck the, what do they always say? Like, oh, it's the, not the... the, the Curse of 2016. Oh, curse of 2016 that's always the bad thing isn't it strikes again doesn't it um and uh not a lot of news this week unless you count Corey taylor (laughs) saying something that even even matty healy i think would would go steady mate calm down calm down but what does Corey taylor think about it that's the the thing that people used to say three years ago and Mm. it wasn't tiresome then was it so no well i mean he brought it on himself to be fair didn't he we'll talk about Corey taylor in a little bit um Go over to our Patreon page if you like. There, you can sign up for some of its exclusive content. Excellent exclusive content, if I say so myself. This week, if you sign up for any amount, you will be able to listen to the Your Cult Pop, which is where you pick an album, and Sam and I do a podcast about said album. It was, actually, a really, really strong uh, couple of weeks on the old patron page with the albums that we've been doing mm. and this week we're doing Kylie Rae Jepsen's Emotion that's coming out on Saturday we spoke about the I guess it's not really the breakthrough album by Kylie Rae Jepsen is it because Kylie Rae Jepsen broke through hugely almost like a quote-unquote one-hit wonder when uh, Call Me Maybe came out in 2012 but the follow-up mm. to that has become I mean I don't want to call it a breakthrough album. I don't want to call it a cult classic but it's kind of sits somewhere in the middle Somewhere between the two, yeah. It's certainly her uh, critical peak. Uh, I think that's impossible to argue. Definitely. Yeah, um, quite staggering looking at the kind of, um, well, I suppose spoiler, drop-off from from the sort of one-hit wonder that was a bit of an albatross around the neck. But as we explored, Kyrie Jepsen, fucking cool lady. Fucking great. 
Yeah. Like basically, that album's really good. I didn't know that. I thought you lot were having a laugh. Having a laugh. Said, yeah. I thought you were taking a look. You were being hipstery by saying, "Oh, I like Kylie Rae." No, no, actually, she is. She's very good. Very good indeed. We've actually just recorded one today on. I mean, I've already mentioned it. We're doing like next week. We're doing <laughs> limp biscuits, chocolate starfish, and a hot dog flavored water, and that was funny i'm gonna say it it's not often you go how oh god aren't i funny but that was funny wasn't it it was fun and it was funny i liked it it's what you want from premiere podcast what i want yeah definitely mm, it's definitely what i want so if you sign up for any amount suggest an album we'll talk about whatever album you suggest we'll do that for money we don't mind doing that for money if you sign up for our five pound classic album tier then you get two super long in-depth brilliant <laughs> again me bigging up myself uh pretty but they're, they're the best podcast we do essentially aren't they the five pound yeah, a month yeah uh, your classic pop or true classic pop i should say i'm still getting used to the names to be honest sam yeah mate me too like even though we're the half a year in nearly now no, but no, yeah still fucking yeah. ridiculous anyway this week we just put one up on one of the biggest albums in the 90s jagged little pill by alanis morissette massive 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 record i don't care how uncool it makes me to say i fucking love alanis morissette well, I love that album, but I do, I do, and I think the sort of the the, the snobby critical backlash. It's weird to have that and Limp Biscuit next to each other mm. because both of them, I feel like now, are, are like, oh, well, you don't like you don't like Limp Biscuit, you don't like you don't like Les Morissette. But for a long time, you you wouldn't have admitted that in sort of general public. No, absolutely. I thought it was a very interesting chat, and. Um, I, uh, as you sort of prefaced it uh, before we recorded it and then during the recording sort of said, oh, you know, people, you know, you, everyone knows the story sort of leading up to it. And it's like, yeah, we do. But I still didn't quite realise the extent of um, her experiences that kind of informed the creation of Jagged Little Pill and makes me like the album even more and her even more. A bit like Kylie Rae Jepsen. It's like, yeah, what a fucking amazing woman. Brilliant. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We should do that because they're kind of like, kind of, I guess like, comparative pieces Carly Jepsen and Alanis Morissette and that's why I think when we put Limp Bizkit out we should do a classic album on um, uh, Vendied <laughs> okay Vended let's <laughs> yeah. do that yeah, yeah, yeah I don't think they've got an album out yet but no, you know, I don't they think sound so. a bit like that sort of thing so whatever but anyway yes go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop sign up we've got loads of podcasts over there all kinds of things in terms of classic albums just so you know there is everything from Rage Against the Machine Pulp Tom Waits, uh, Nine Inch Nails. Oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones I've done recently off the top of my head. Shouldn't be David Bowie. Yeah. David Bowie. Yeah, Public Enemy. Lot. Public Enemy. Alanis Morissette, as you say. Yeah, Alanis yeah. Morissette. Yeah, we've done it. We've we've done a lot. They're good. They're good. They are good. They're just they're just good. Yeah. Don't listen to them, you cowards. Yeah, they are. Uh, I was saying I'm gonna go. I'm gonna review Algiers, and I couldn't go to a gig. So I couldn't go to a gig last week, Sam, because. Guess who I was interviewing instead Ooh. of going to see Hundred Reasons? Oh, who would Stephen Hill rather speak to than see Hundred Reasons on a stunning return to form of an album? Was it Chris? What's his name from Ailstorm? <laughs> it wasn't Chris. Oh, what's okay. his name? Go on then. From Ailstorm, it wasn't. But you're you're very close, actually. Oh, very okay. close, right? Because Chris from Ailstorm is uh, is an OG. He's a mm. uh, uh, an an horrible get, an auteur, the, you might say. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the person I spoke to is the OG. I interviewed Ice T. 
Oh, had nice. On the, had him on Zoom for an hour and a half. I spoke about everything. Got a big feature coming up in Metal Hammer about Ice-T, which, you know, was one of the coolest things I've done for ages. But it meant that I listened to a lot of Ice-T and a lot of body count in the build-up to that interview to get myself in the right headspace. And my song that I'm going to bring to you this week, I think is, is it my favourite Ice-T song? It might be. It might be. It's a particular version of That's How I'm Living, the the On Rock remix. Yes. By Ice-T. Um, which is something I think he released that as a as a single um, in kind of December 93 in the UK and September in 2021. Um, it's from the Home Invasion album, but the version that I like is not from the Home Invasion album. The version like that is a good version. It is a good version, but there is a bunch of, you know, kind of, it is, it is a UK um, EP that he released with Ricochet, New Jack Hustler and Colours as covered by, by Machine Head. Oh, yes, that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the Machine Head cover of Colours is is pretty good. You know, it's pretty good. And um, the On The Rock remix of That's I'm Living that was released in the UK Mm. is fucking brilliant. Fucking brilliant. It's got like a wicked little kind of acoustic um, guitar lick and Ice's vocals sound, I think, better alongside that more... I guess like organic sounding production thing than they do on the original version. Don't get me wrong. I like the original version, but that on rock remix is fucking absolutely class. So, and it's basically ice just sort of telling the story of his life up until 1993. It's got some great lines in it. I walked to Crimshaw high. It was fly being my personal favorite, but it's just wicked. Just great. It's just a great slice of early nineties gangster rap from, the OG. Love it. Absolutely love it. I am in complete uh, agreement with you. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, it is a great song. I can't profess to know the original. I don't know loads of Ice T's material full stop. I know a bit of body count, but I don't really know much of his, uh, well, the stuff that he made his name with, <clears throat> particularly. Uh, I really like the production on it, though. I think um, all of it sounds so tight. And as you say, I, well, I've not heard the original mix, but I think this sounds really, really organic in a really nice, warm way, even though, you know, Ice's uh, lyrics on this are quite uh, pretty stark. You know, they're very kitchen sink, which I think will be a theme that comes up a lot across the rest of the reviews that we do across this week. Um, but I, I, I think it's a really nice track. I think the the warmth of that kind of quite round, quite robust bass really carries it, but it's not too in your face. It gives Ice room to sort of take center stage. For me, it's the really tight percussion on it, though, as well. I absolutely love the way it just sits in that pocket and just keeps that beat just barreling straight ahead. And there is that little kind of extra snare roll and crash when he talks about uh, his time joining the army, which I think is a nice little thematic nod. How clever. I know artists who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. It's really good. Um, yeah, there's... Uh there's a bit where he basically talks about um about doing a crime and it's funny because he said to me it was like we you didn't talk about when you because like you know obviously ice T is a man who famously like basically invented gangster rap for six in the morning like that's mm. basically his his thing i mean he 
didn't necessarily when I sort of put that to him I was like six in the morning first gangster rap song and he was like well no you know I was inspired by you know a lot of other things as well that he kind of went through but he was like you know before that you would not talk about the crimes you did in public at all to anyone so for it to suddenly be like oh I'm I'm putting it in a song mm. and there is a bit where he goes like I say with this I say this with hesitation even though we've passed the statute of limitation <laughs> was it this, anyway yeah, 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 um, like that, yeah. that bit um is really really good it's really funny and uh, that's not funny because he's probably probably sh- shot up a fool didn't he <laughs> cap in so someone's was... ass somewhere yeah he yeah, probably yeah. did all that didn't he so maybe it's not that funny but yeah it's a it's a wicked song it is a wicked song and i think coming from metal you tend to just think of ice T as i see in body count and i yeah, know a lot yeah, of people yeah. maybe just go oh, but i like body count i like body count and don't really care so much for ice T, but he, he, those early IC albums are great. They are fucking great. I reckon I should have a listen. Yeah, I think Home Invasion OG. might might be on the listening queue at some point. So. Get yeah, mate. Get OG, OG, original gangsters the one. I will great. do. I will do. Don't you worry. Get on that. Um, what about you, Sam? Have you been listening to any badass gangsters? Oh, big time, big time. Only only the most badass of all the gangsters to come from in Brighton in the sort of mid-2010s. I've been listening to uh, Can't Sleep by Black Peaks, the first single from their second album, All That Divides. Um, absolute banger, absolute banger. The, um, Black Peaks had such a great command of dynamics across their songs. Now, even though this is quite a short, sharp, to the point single, kind of by their standards and by the standards of what comes on the rest of the album that this is taken from. I think the fact that it goes from that snare roll into the fantastically um, groovy and quite explosive first riff that is really intricate. And I think Joe Gosney takes a lot from the Brent Hines school of that kind of banjo-esque lead guitar playing. It sounds amazing. Obviously, Will Gardner, fucking amazing vocalist. Um, Listening back to it, I don't think I ever really appreciated quite how strong dave larkin's bass guitar is as well particularly on the live version that they did live from the brighton center the um well as we now know the last show that black peaks ever played during lockdown the kind of um live session that they put out um as a live album um i i absolutely love it and this song brings back some very nice memories for me because i remember it's one of the few times where i've ever sat down to tune into the radio god granddad to listen to this because i had seen the buzz on social media that Black Peaks were going to announce their second album and the first song, uh, first single would be played on Dan Carter's rock show at nine o'clock on whichever Sunday night it was. And I was at work and so I deliberately wrote myself on for a kitchen shift so that I could just sit in the kitchen and avoid my responsibilities and listen to Can't Sleep. And he played it twice because he's an absolute lad. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What a fucking, what a time. You know, it's weird, isn't that? Because 2018, to me, doesn't feel like you're talking about very long ago but i go five years five years now yeah it is a long time and it it all feels so fresh in my mind that black peaks when this came out what a what an amazing time to have a british band who were doing this kind of thing Mm. getting like you say like on radio one and supporting Mastodon and System of a Down and well, Death no, Tones. Sp- and Smashing like Pumpkins as well after this Smashing, album came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, just think like, like the Perfect Circle, I think, in Europe they did as well, didn't they? They did. And it just, it just felt like it was going to happen for Black yeah. Peaks. Do you know what I mean? Like you just sort of looked at it and you were like, oh, we're going to get one of those sort of heavy but intelligent, great 
bands coming from the uk that people are going to really vibe with and they're going to mm. actually i just say vibe with you did I just say yeah. vibe with oh dear um <laughs> that people are going to enjoy <laughs> what's the vibe um, in the second half vibe in the second half is never say vibe with under any circumstances <laughs> um but you know obviously that didn't happen and they split up and now you just look at it and you go <sighs> awful luck that beset yeah. them awful like unfortunate unfair quite cruel a bunch of things that happened to that band um but i think because i listen to them so much it sort of doesn't really feel like they've gone away to me and that sounds like oh if they're in my heart then they're there forever <laughs> but like do you know what i mean i do because i listen to black Pete's quite a lot they've mm. really stayed with me more than i think pretty pretty much any other band from that scene maybe yeah. creeper i'll probably listen to creeper about uh, like as much as i just black Pete's as well yeah but from that very, very, oh, and employed to serve actually, and palm, and palm, and palm reader a bit before. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> the, the, there were a lot of those bands, that kind of class of 2015, 16, mm. 17 and 18 in Britain. That, and it looked like we we're going to have a really good scene. And I'm not saying we don't. I'm not saying that. I just think it's a shame that. It was unfortunate that we had a lot of old shite in the sort of 2010 to 2015 when you had like Mallory Knox and mm. oh God help me out here, Sam. What are the other ones called? You Me at Six and all yeah, that. Yeah, kind of... You Me at Six, Death Havana, all that kind of all that, nonsense. Yeah. All yeah, that yeah, yeah. absolute bum poo. And then you got a load of quite interesting bands and they've either sort of done pretty well, you know, a couple of them have done pretty well or they've just split up, but none of them have really become the thing that we thought maybe they were going to become, which is, you know, a shame. I think it's a shame. And this song is fucking excellent still to this day. It's just, it's just excellent. The whole album is, I mean, I ended up listening to the whole album after you said you were going to do it. And, mm. you know, it's got some absolute fucking bangers on it. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, absolute bangers. while Statues is, is still my favorite Black Peaks album, and I don't think that's ever going to change. I think um, Aether off uh, All The Divides is their best literally, song. It's literally about to say, that song is yeah. the kind of mad good high point of that record. What a fucking great... That was actually, as an aside, Aether was the last song I ever saw Black Peaks perform at uh, Art Tangent 2019 where they had Jamie Lemon do guest vocals. They ended the set with it and it was absolutely magical. Good. Yeah. Good. What a shame. I'm what upset shame. now. Well, this will cheer you up. Yeah. <laughs> You're on. going to see Algiers, aren't you? Yeah, but I've got to wait till May. Because uh, someone couldn't get to London. It's not that far away. May is not that far away. Yeah, but you've already given me a bit of a hint as to what I'm in for. And it feels like a fucking long time to wait now, mate. Yeah. So I went to see them at the Dome last night. First thing I'm going to say, I watched the support band. They were called Legs. Uh, I I can't say I'm aware of them. No. Uh, A bit of an odd choice for Algiers. I thought they were just a sort of... A bit of a... Uh, like a kind of um, noisy sort of indie band. Okay. But I mean, to be fair, who can you think of, I mean, regardless of size, to be honest, that Algiers would play with? But I mean, particularly as a sport act, but I I can't really think of another band that they would fit super well on a bill with. I mean, certainly not stylistically. I don't think there's anyone doing what they're doing from what I've heard of their, well, I've now listened to two of their four albums, but yeah. Mm, yeah i i don't know i don't know but um i did think that was a bit of a i was like oh okay like they were fine okay they were they they were absolutely fine i got no beef with that band they were they were completely 
just you know they they pass the time in a perfectly fine way um so here's what i will say the dome and tuffnell park i quite like that venue quite like i, it I quite venue. like it you yeah, can yeah. you can see from everywhere mm-hmm. you know it's a nice size uh the sound isn't always brilliant although saying that i did notice that um bad omens played there two nights running ah so um you know that's uh <laughs> you can't have it all the dome can't have Sorry. it all the dome yeah. um and uh, some people i uh, somebody well i'm going to say it was merlin said he said the <laughs> the, the sound was amazing he's like the sound was incredible one of the best sounds i've ever heard in a thing and i was like was that because bad omens don't play any of their music live they just have it all on tracks and all kind of layered up and it was just basically like a a mimethon and he was like oh yeah it probably was that um because it's you know you can get it's up and down the sound in the dome and yeah and i think it's a really hard sound to get right, the Algiers sound, because it's so rich, so textured, and so there's so much going on. It's so mm. thick. There's such layers upon layers upon layers of stuff. And I did think a couple of times the vocals were a little bit muddy and a little bit low in the mix. Other than that, that is the literally the only... Oh, no, I've got two complaints. Number one <laughs> is, is that. The second one is, if Bad Omens can sell that fucking venue out two nights running, why can't Algiers... More than half full it, fill it. I could not believe this. Right now, look, I'm not saying I am. I am not saying that. Oh, we were here before anyone else. Uh, we we knew like how come you're not into them? Like, oh, we're here from the ground up. Obviously, you know they got a bunch of albums out already. Mm-hmm. Me and Sam have only just discovered them as a band. We've only just discovered them. I'm just kind of amazed. When you said they were to me, you were like, oh, they're playing the Dome, you know? And I was like, oh, they fucking hell. I just assumed they were a big band. Because mm. you listen to Shook, that latest album, it sounds like the work of a band who, who are, just sounds like a big band. It just sound, They sound like a big band. They've got Zach mm. Delarosha on the album. You would imagine they'd have something of a profile to be able to pull in someone like Zach Delarosha. So I thought, oh, you know, the Dome is sort of 500 cap venue in London. That would be like an intimate show for them. No half full unbelievable like it's mad if you haven't listened to us going get you need to listen to this band like trust us like you you really need to get on this because they're fucking amazing they really are i mean i was thinking earlier um because you said that it was sort of yeah not just about half full and well i'm going to see them at a venue called esquires in bedford which i've not been to before but i'm aware of it and I think it's somewhere around 200, 250 cap. And I've seen pictures of it. And it's basically going to be a floor show. And it's like, what? How how can a band that just radiate this kind of incredible artistic superstardom, how can they be playing these these venues? It, it boggles the mind. But I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be intense. Um, I think if, I, if we can ever do anything, let's get Algiers at least one sold out show in the UK. Even if it's got nothing to do with us, we'll claim it. But I'd like to see them sell out a show because fuck me i i I can't believe that i can't think there's anyone who would listen to them unless they're just like steadfastly no i only like deathcore or whatever i can't think there's anyone who could listen to them who wouldn't absolutely fall in love with them that album is let's be honest steve it's it's the dose your dreams of 2023 isn't it well it might be let's not jump to conclusions just well yeah we'll see we'll see but anyway um they are fucking great live Mm. fucking great live your man at the front i've forgotten his name 
top of my head. But the front man, uh, oh my god, I, 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 have, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he has like two mics. Does that kind of Maynard James Keenan dirty mic, clean mic sort of thing, or the mic pattern thing as well, or Les Claypool, or Les Claypool, <laughs> yeah, always all the same. Um, playing the piano and guitar sometimes in the same song while singing his voice sounds amazing absolutely amazing they as a band just look brilliant they've got two drummers apparently they've got is it matt matt tong from block party the original drummer from block party is playing drums with them yeah i i see this as a touring member because i didn't see him on their sort of um album credits or anything but uh yeah that's that's really cool in and of itself and if you know anything about what i think about particularly early block party like He's a fucking powerhouse drummer. Two drummers. Two drummers. And, um, you know, the other two guys were basically kind of swapping between synth, programming, guitar, and bass, and dancing. Like, genuinely just dancing um, throughout the rest of the gig. And that alone would have been like, holy shit, there's so much going on. There's so much sound there's so many changes in instruments and styles and all this kind of stuff that, that that's going on that would be enough but for a band who were playing a, a, a venue like the dome which is not massive they brought with them again like fucking an almost neurosis level of you know you're just gonna see neurosis and the, the visuals would be like as much part of the show yeah as um as the show itself algiers their backdrop was just to kind of screen right behind them, like a big, like the kind of Muse big telly thing, but mm. not just showing Matt Bellamy's massive <laughs> fucking weird face. Gurning face. All of the sort of visuals that went on behind them are just like absolutely amazing, brilliant. There was, um, they started with Irreversible Damage, which is a song with Zach De La Rocha, and I went with my yeah. mate, and we were like, and we were like, oh, you know, what are they going to do when they play these songs? Because obviously, like, my mate was like, well, surely Zach's on tour with them, he's just going to come out with them. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, my God, that would be absolutely amazing. But I thought maybe we'd get somebody kind of doing an, an, an appropriation of Zach's bit. No, we got it on sort of uh, a, a pre record of it, but they've got Zach to do they filmed him doing his bit for them and they had this kind of broken telly bit so you can't quite see all of his face but it's like kind of eight different tellies on the screen and they're all kind of put so they kind of make a composite of Zach Delaroche's face and you just see his mouth doing the bit and it was like I was like there's fucking and it, it did feel like a bit like ABBA a bit like ABBA Sam <laughs> like um, ABBA voyage yes it, yeah yeah it, it felt like well fucking Zach's in the room with us he's in the room with us it was fucking great and they did the same thing for Billy Woods who did something similar mm. did the same thing for Backwash as well you know, when they came to do Bite Back, which, by the way, is not just the best song of the year. It's the best live song of the year so far <laughs> for me as well. It's fucking absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was just such a, a crazy, dexterous, uh, broad, and you, you could not take your eyes off of them. They were mm. fucking amazing. Like, it looked great. It You know, it sounded really good. But a lot of, I mean, sometimes it's annoying because your man's vocals are so amazing that mm. when it was sort of slightly down in the mix, you're like, come on, I want to hear those fucking soaring bits. But, you know, playing shit like a good man, which we spoke about last week being like Black Flag, like that felt really, really fucking exciting. And Death March, the song they, they ended with um, Death March before that they came on and did Green Iris as a chorus. And, um, you know, that is from their third album, 
I think it's the third album, The Underside of Power. Because mm. we actually had someone, I'm going to say, uh, David S. Gropp, who uh, does a lot of, um, who, you know, a lot of, uh, does a lot of following the podcast. He, does, <laughs> he, he often comments on uh, right. stuff. Did say, was like, if you think this album's good, the other albums are actually better. And I was like, car fuck off. No, <laughs> surely not. But I actually listened to The Underside of Power on the way up to the gig last night. And... I mean, I've only listened to it once, but I can see how someone might think that. Because mm. it is fucking... I mean, it, I don't know what the other two are like, but that record is... That is fucking crazy. And Death March, the last song, they did with this, like... These sort of flashing images, like, blah, 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 like a kind of, you know, sensory overload of just people uh, from the sort of... The history, like, kind of... I was going to say kind of pop culture figures from black history, but kind of more than that as well, political and important figures from black history. And you saw it and it was like the sound, it was, it was so fucking stirring. It was amazing. I mean, for a set list, just to go through it, um, Irreversible Damage, Cry of the Martyrs, Walk Like a Panther. That is brilliant. Walk Like a mm. Panther. 73%. There is no year. Dispossession, Irony, Utility, Pretext, Cold World, Good Man, Out of Soul Tragedy, which I thought was beautiful. Fucking and again like that they did this it looked like this sort of a constellation of the universe just being burnt behind you and you're just like wow this Blimey. feels big bite back <laughs> and when you fall cleanse your guilt here i can't stand it death march and then green iris as an encore it was um Ooh. three songs from Unside of power two from their self-titled album two from there is no year nine songs from the new album so mm. i was happy with that because the ones i know the most obviously yeah. Yeah. and i just think i was like i i again to kind of echo what we said last week about the album i don't know what they are i don't know what they are i actually mentioned it again like to bring up merlin again uh, i said to him i was like mate you need to check out this algiers album it's fucking incredible and it's like kind of, and I, I said you know they're from atlanta and there was a bit there's one of the visuals they had was that that mural in atlanta of all kind of great atlantan Mm. folk and i was like you got your boys outcast and he had kind of big boy and um andre 3000 just like on the th and he was like oh yeah man. and he was like oh, i'm expecting it i expect him to be this to be like a hip-hop album he's like i'm not sure it's a hip-hop album i was like man i never said it was a hip-hop album i said it's got billy was backwashing uh you know Zach Rush on it. i don't necessarily think that immediately makes it a hip-hop album and they as a band i don't really know what they are i mean it's like they're an experimental group mm. and well, yeah i guess that they are an experimental group aren't they yeah absolutely I, mean, I was trying to pitch them to a mate of mine um who will not listen to the podcast and like whatever don't care he's not gonna hear this so fuck you but uh was looking them up i was just like look this band algiers this is the one like this is, this is the album you want to go for google them and if you go on google the sort of little um box out uh, i forget what the actual term is for it but it says under genres it's uh i think it's post-hardcore uh progressive hip-hop um noise rock and there is something else it's like well yeah it is all of those things but all at the same time i mean just yeah unbelievable i mean on apple music they're just under that broad uh, sort of banner of alternative and i guess it's like well yeah they are yeah in so many ways they kind of hit all those marks it's like how how do you put a pen on it like mm. why won't you make listen to the podcast that's not very supportive yeah he's just a wanker isn't he so who is he come on Oh, come on no no because he might come listen on. to it now he won't listen to it. if he won't listen to it we can cuss him out now and all we can all together as a crew can be yeah. like fuck you paul <laughs> i don't have any friends called paul actually i do have one friend called paul he's really nice uh it's right, not... chris chris is his name 
Chris. Piss more like. Oh, he got him. Yes! Done take that. Yeah. He'll never hear it, but whatever. No. Um, so anyway, uh, th- that was it was amazing. Algiers live. Um, let's yeah. move on to a little bit of news. The second biggest cunt of the week behind your mate Chris <laughs> is... <laughs> <laughs> it's Corey Taylor. Um, he's not a cunt, Corey Taylor. He's just massively delusional. Yeah. So Corey Taylor released his self. Was it self-titled? No, it was called CMFT, wasn't it? CMFT. Corey motherfucking Taylor. Yeah. Well done. You're hard. Corey from Slipknot and Stone Sour. Uh, his solo effort, 2020 solo effort. CMFT was the worst. Will go down as the worst thing to happen. In 2020, I think that's what we'll all remember. <laughs> Definitely. 2024 and how bad it was. It was really, really bad. Now, yeah. Slipknot last year released an album which a lot of people didn't like, right? Mm. And it seems to develop this reputation of being the worst Slipknot album. I personally don't think it is the worst Slipknot album. I think All Hope Is Gone still remains the worst Slipknot album. But compared to Corey Taylor's solo album that last Slipknot album was like uh, fucking like lateralis, shit yeah. yeah the best shit you've ever heard in your life right so because that is, <laughs> is a terrible record and you know I get it it's like a fun thing for Corey Taylor to do it's like a fun thing for Corey Taylor to do you know mm. like but you know there are plenty of fun things that I like to do which I wouldn't foist upon the world <laughs> you know so such as um I can make my cock and balls look like an elephant wearing sunglasses. Can you really? Yeah. I don't but ever want to see that. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that, right? No. But I mean, you, but if I said, I'll show you that, or you'll get another <laughs> or Corey Taylor solo album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not Iowa. Definitely. I'll put on CMFT <laughs> must die or whatever it's fucking called. Uh, yeah. I would expect you to start like helping me with my belt basically <laughs> because that, oh. is a, that is a bad fucking record <laughs> oh it's awful yes so he's got a new one coming out and he said this this week uh this album is going to be the best rock album of the year and the next i can't wait for people to hear this album it chews up that first record and spits it out it's more dialed in with everything people expect from me so it's got hints of cmft there are also hits of slipknot Hmm. Stone Sour, oh. and all the <laughs> stuff I've been doing at my acoustic shows. Oh. Oh, it's got no. everything for everybody. People are going to fucking lose it. And if by lose it, you mean lo- leave it on the bus deliberately <laughs> after you've gifted it to them. And they go, oh no, I don't know what happened. I mean, I, I just wouldn't say that. No. If I was it, Corey Taylor. It's a bit much, isn't it? I think it is a bit much TM. Uh, a mate of mine, uh, well, mate, mate of the show, lovely lovely Matt Mills, um, sent me a screen grab of the headline of that, of it's going to be the best rock album of this year and the next. And my response and the guy was going to the send... Gift? Yeah, that was exactly it. Yeah. Well, not, not yeah. the gif, the, the kind of low-res still that I prefer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah that was it. It's like, oh, come on, Corey. Like... I'm glad he's enthusiastic and I'm glad he's doing something he wants to do, but don't make us listen to it. Just, you know, keep... There was um, a film... Oh, I can't remember if his... Mark Kermode reviewed a Michael Flatley film called Blackbird. I yes. forget if it was end of last year or if it was beginning of this year. I think it was last year. And he said, this is a home movie and it should stay in your home. This is what Corey Taylor's solo project is. It's like, good, I'm glad you've made it. I'm glad you enjoy it. Why should we have to deal yeah. with it you know get 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 a crate of beer or a bottle of whiskey or whatever invite your mates around invite sean say, around. yeah sean not sean <laughs> <laughs> be a bit of a downer invite he your was. mates around and say 
we're going to jam some should we record us playing some covers of some sort of, like should we do a load of like you know all the fucking rubbish hair metal bands and stuff that we like yeah. should we do should we kind of write a few songs that sound like ha 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 you know, and then give it out to our friends don't release it mate mm. don't release it no one wants to hear that no. and the people that do want to hear it don't deserve to be happy unfortunately little slugs with no personality so. little slugs yeah. with no personality essentially that's exactly what I'm talking about little yeah. slugs with no personalities and they don't deserve any kind like this will keep happening until someone let's say you and I Sam one of us just says no no more would you no say more. that indeed Corey taylor must be stopped yeah but i don't want to say that because i know it's annoying it ties into oh, the marketing yeah yeah, yeah i know it's quite annoying so look Corey taylor i mean i just i i can't as the kids say <laughs> I, I can't, can't I even can't, yeah. I, I can't even uh there is other stuff to talk about we were going to talk about i thought we'd talk about the glastonbury lineup and you know how it's not good enough or whatever um because I know, oh, I don't. We'll save that. We'll save that for one. We'll do. We'll do a big festival preview thing, and we'll we'll talk about that. We've sort of spoken about it with the Brits before, so I feel like mm. we've sort of be covering old ground with the. You know, why didn't you book? Do a leaper to headline. She wasn't available. I don't care. Yeah. You should have booked another woman. Like I, like, I will well, say we've got we, we've got one of the biggest rock bands in history that we could book though. No. No, it's more important that people have a uh, people uh, have <laughs> get to see. I, I I'm going into it even though I said I wasn't going to go yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah. I, it's I, silly. I think it's silly though. The, the criticism of this particular Glastonbury lineup, I think, are with the Brits. Yes, with Glastonbury, mm, not really. I think it's possibly a conversation where we've got more time to delve into it more thoroughly. I think my piece that I would say on it, a little tease for when we do talk about it. I think it's pretty mad that you've got Arctic Monkeys who are on a run of two appallingly bad albums uh, and they're headlining, but you've got Lizzo there and she's not. So that's well, what I'll say. Okay. Yeah, but you know, let's have a little look. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Lizzo is playing a different... Lizzo's playing the Guns N' Roses Day, right? Mm. So Lizzo gets... Oh, 30 million monthly listeners. Yeah, Lizzo is... I mean, Lizzo is big enough. But I Lizzo mean, on, on the poster, she is in line with the headliners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So Arctic Monkeys have 41 million monthly Spotify listeners. I know for a fact that Guns N' Roses have 25, and I believe Elton John has... Um, I'm just getting it up here. Elton John has 47. So Elton John's the biggest, yeah, followed by Arctic Monkeys, then Lizzo, then Guns N' Roses. Although Guns N' Roses, obviously... You know, Lizzo's doing one night at the O2, or is it two? She's doing one or two nights at the O2. I think she's doing two. Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, it might be two. It might be two, yeah. I think Lizzo's doing two nights at the O2. Guns N' Roses are doing Hyde Park, mm. right? So, um, although people in their droves in the same way on Spotify might not listen to Guns N' Roses in the same way as uh, they currently listen to Lizzo, you know. They will turn they up are, for it. Yeah. They, they are a nostalgia thing. And, you know, she's she's less than five million ahead of them in terms of Spotify. And I don't think Guns N' Roses are purely like a kind of a, a Spotify thing. I think you have to take their kind of longevity into account. Mm-hmm. And if you can get Guns N' Roses, I think you'd be mad to say, no, thank you. We don't want Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. If it, your it, festival, right? Or as a business decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, no, if Lizzo's already booked as a sub-headliner, so let, let, we all know it was Taylor Swift, right? We all know it was Taylor Swift who was going to be headlining Glastonbury. 
that was it was going to be elton taylor swift Arctic monkeys that was what it was going to be right we mm. all know it right this whole kind of like oh it could have been someone else and i wonder who it, it was it was going to be taylor swift and taylor swift obviously couldn't do it or or isn't going to do it or has pulled out or is postponed or whatever right but suddenly lizzo's booked a sub headline below taylor swift taylor swift pulled out yes you can bump lizzo up of course you can you could do that but if guns and roses are available there and then and you've already arranged with lizzo that she's going to be sub headlining mm. the saturday and you can get guns and roses and you can afford it i think as a for a business as a business decision that is a pretty strong business decision yeah i think it would also be a strong business decision to book an extra night in the hotel for lizzo and get alex turner and his mates to jog on and get her in their place i think that'd be much more exciting much more interesting as as a headlining set i know they're bigger i know they're bigger but you know well i mean the whole conversation about glastonbury i mean certainly from emily evis's point of view like in terms of people complaining about the quality of the lineup i think there's you know it's quality, not the, i think it's, it's not good, the strongest I but i think there's a lot of good stuff there you know i think it's str- I, I i like it i mean no i mean i it, think it's strong i don't think it's the best glastonbury lineup i've ever seen i think it's a good one but i mean emily evis's conversation that she's having about the the blockage in the pipeline of female artists being able to get through I mean, I, I totally agree with it. I mean, I think that is a systemic problem within the music industry. That's a conversation for another time, I think, because that is a very, very broad topic. I mean, that could be a podcast unto itself, potentially. Yeah, um, yeah. But I would say that with Glastonbury, I think they've got as open a goal as any to basically get whoever they want to headline because the tickets always sell out before anyone gets announced anyway. And like, not everyone is going to sell their Glastonbury they? ticket. If, yeah, but would they? If they, because the thing is, is you look at the Glastonbury, you buy a Glastonbury ticket in advance, and then you get Arctic Monkeys, Guns N' Roses, Elton John, and Lizzo at the top, and you go, well, look, even if you're not a fan of any of those bands or any of those artists, right? Mm. Undeniably massive. You've bought a Glastonbury ticket because you're expecting something massive. Yeah. Right? You don't buy something in advance not knowing what it is and going, uh, like, you. I mean, I suppose there are people who there, there will be people who would buy uh, a slam dunk ticket in advance, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There would be people who go like, I, I always go there with my mate. It's a good time. I'm just going to buy a slam dunk ticket, right? And I like it. It will be fine, right? And to be fair, things like slam dunk, you know, two thousand trees, um, field day, those they, they usually nail their target audience. Pretty much, usually nail their target audience. Right? They've so got you a would much, have a f- yeah. faith in them. Well, they've got a much more defined target audience, whereas Glastonbury is just the biggest and best, isn't it? I mean, they've got they've got such a, a kind of simultaneously broad and also very very narrow pool of what they can pull from because it can be anyone, but they've got to be in a certain sort of echelon of commercial appeal, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. Mm, mm. And so I think, like, you know, but then I don't think most people would buy a, would you know people who like that sort of thing at slam for say slam dunk mm. would wait and go who's headline slam dunk this year. Offspring and Don Broco, Ooh, I might give that a swerve. Like that's not yeah. enough for me. Or oh, yeah, fucking no effects again. Zebrahead <laughs> again. Like no zebraheads. I'm not going. Do you know what oh, I mean? Like, gosh. That's highly unlikely that someone wouldn't go because of fucking zebrahead. Because they, I think they have to be there, don't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so people will always wait. Whereas Glastonbury, like you say, people just go. I want to go to Glastonbury. It's yeah. an event. It's actually the music is kind of secondary. But at the same time, I'm expecting somebody fucking gargantuan and mm. pretty much every year they deliver someone gargantuan i mean i saw people saying like, oh you know they they haven't built a new headliner since 
uh, Kings of Leon, I think I saw somebody say, and I was like, well, fucking Storm Kendrick a last year as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Kendrick's a worldwide. Well, yeah, I suppose yeah. they haven't built him. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Okay, yeah, but Stormzy, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, Stormzy, you know, hadn't headlined. I think he'd headlined one. Did he do like headlines at Wireless, or was he sub headline? Anyway, but like that was a. I think that was a. You know. Uh, that, that was one that I think you could point to. Yeah. But when you look at the rest of the, the lineup, I mean, you know, we will go through all this properly in a couple of months, probably. I would have thought, but Arctic Monkeys, Guns and Roses, Elton John. Yes, you know, they're of a, they're they're a type of thing. Yeah. But the thing is, again, like you say, it's so undefined. Ah, oh, why are you booking old rock headliners? Well, that's what people were moaning about for they wanted for years and years and years. Obviously, it's different people who are moaning, and mm. now they're going. Oh, well, we're used to Billy Eilish and Kendrick Lamar and you know, uh, Stormzy or whatever. And now you're getting more of, I guess, a kind of classic Glastonbury type headliner. Mm. You've just got to kind of expect that them being big will be the thing that pulls them in. Lizzo, Alison Goldfrapp, uh, Amadou and Mariam, Candy Stanton, Blondie, Becky Hill, Kylie Rae Jepsen, Christine and the Queens, Cat Burns, Churches. Uh, Loyal Khan is there, Lan- Khalees Re- Lan- Lan- Well, I was just going through the, oh, the, sorry. the, the non-male performers. Oh, um, sorry, okay. Maggie Rogers, uh, Maniskin, Rina Sawayama, Shy Girl. I mean, there's a you know, there's there's a there's a ways blood. There's a there's a lot here, and in Texas, a little known band called <laughs> Texas. Scottish band, yeah. Um, and also, just yeah, like broadly speaking, looking at it, like for me, I I I probably wouldn't watch Arctic Monkeys. I've seen them at Reading no. last year. They weren't very good. Guns and Roses, I would watch. Elton, I obviously would love yeah. to see. Lizzo, I would love to see. Um. I would want to see Blondie. I would want to see Candy Stanton. I would want to see Kylie Rae Jepsen. I would want to see Christian the Queens. I would want to see Churches. I would want to see Fatboy Slim. I would want to see Hot Chip. I would want to see Khalees. I would want to see Lana Del Rey. I want to see Leftfield. I want to see Little Nas X. I want to see Lowell Karna. I want to see Mannix. I would want to see... I've watched Nova Twins as well, I think. I would watch Phoenix. I would watch Rina Sawayama. I'd watch Royal Blood. Rudimental I'd watch as well. Slow Tie. I'd absolutely... I would love to see Sparks. Um, mm. War on Drugs. Thundercat. Wizkid, Warpaint, Young Fathers, Catstick. Like, that's basically half the people playing. I've just gone, yeah, I'd like to see that. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there's a few in there that I'm not super okay with. But yeah, I mean, most of them I would go and see definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's a strong first announcement. I think anyone who's, you know, kind of hashtag discourse around Glastonbury this year has been based on, oh, it's not very good, is it? I mean, they're just an idiot, clearly. That's the short of it. I think the conversation that Emily Evis uh, herself has brought up about the kind of the, the blockage in the pipeline, as she has put it, I think that is where the conversation should should be had. But as I say, I think I unless you want to go for another two hours, I think maybe we save that for another time. Yeah, save it for another time. I think to kind of just before we get into that two hours, I would say until all those old people go away, it's not going to change. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, let's do some reviews then. And I don't think they necessarily all should have to go away, by the way. You know, I, I want to see Elton John, but this will be the last time mm. we'll ever get a chance to see Elton John. So enjoy it. Drink it in, as Martin <laughs> Tyler says. Um, let's do some reviews. Let's start with UK Grim by Sleaford Mods, the 12th. I can't believe they've got 12 albums. Yeah, man. Sleaford Mods. That feels like a lot more than someone who's a very kind of casual. I'm not even gonna say fan. I'm gonna say listener sleep of mods, right? Of the Nottingham-based punk duo. It feels like it's a lot of records. It feels like I maybe uh, have I lack a lot of the context I'm going to need um, when it uh, when it comes to like placing how good this album is within sleep of mods discography. But we'll get into that. This is a follow-up to their 
2021 spare ribs album which i must confess again you know save for did you that was a song you brought a song in yes from that before didn't you yes yeah. nudget i brought in yeah and the conversation we had then was that we're not really a very sleeping mods and i'd found them quite difficult to really get a handle on apart from that one song there wasn't anything that i'd really gravitated towards beyond that so i think we're both in a very similar boat with this band yeah and the thing is it's one of those ones where like you know i've spoken before about basically <laughs> liking Sleaford Mods on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and liking the sort of general aesthetic of them as a band, uh, liking what they stand for, liking the fact that they don't really... I mean, what did I just call them? Did I call them a punk duo? You did, I, did. Yes. I didn't want to call them a post-punk duo. I didn't want to call them a kind of electro-punk duo. I didn't want to call them a sort of new wave. Let me say not new wave. Like new, like a kind of... An, yeah, some sort of electro punk thing i didn't want to call them all of that because none of that really feels like it fully taps into exactly what sleep of mods are there's no. a sort of simplicity to sleep of mods which i think is really 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 cool but there's something also really unique about them which i also think is really really cool but they're not a band that i've listened to loads and loads and loads and loads but i was really keen when this album came along i was really really keen because Every, it got to the point where I was like, everything I've heard from Sleaford Mods, I mean, it's sort of, you know, from, from going back to like when they were on that Prodigy album, The Day Is My yes, Enemy. Yes, Day Is My Enemy, yeah, yeah. 2015, and I was like, oh, I'm not, you know, that's all right, that song, like it's mm. not like a, the best bit. But then they're on, um, or Jason was on that uh, Orbital, Orbital album yeah, we were yeah, talking yeah. about Don't recently. I, I fucking love that song absolutely yeah. class and i mean you know that whole album as we discussed is completely brilliant mm. but you know again it was another thing that made me go i have i been sleeping on this fucking band for years and years and years and years and if this is generally what sleep of mod sound like yeah yeah i have yeah, so with my kind of limited knowledge of Sleaford Mods, the bits and bobs I've listened to, there are there are sides to them that I find less appealing than others, but I'm never not at least interested. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the aesthetic and the ethos that goes into the band, I absolutely love. And it frustrates me that I don't like their output so much more. Like I, I feel like they're a band I should love by every conceivable metric, even, even down to sort of execution, but they're just something that doesn't always translate. But when the title track on this comes in, and it's that really cold, deep bass just running through, really slight percussion bar, the sort of book end of it, you get a real fast uh, sort of synthesized snare drum. And Jason Williamson's pretty idiosyncratic vocal. Like, there isn't anyone that I know of that sounds... You hear Jason Williamson and it's like, oh yeah, it's it's your man from Sleepy Bots. It's definitely Jason Williamson. I mean, he is seething, but he's erudite, doing this kind of kitchen sink takedown of... um. Well, across the album, well, and as far as I can tell, across all their albums, of either people he really, really takes against, people he really dislikes, or kind of portraying characters to a kind of uh, almost caricature extent. But then you look at what's going on in the UK around us at the moment, it's like, well, it's not that far from the truth, the kind of satire that he's doing to send up these awful, awful people. I think the title track on this is, it's bleak. It is barren and it's cold and it is really really quite striking i think it's followed up by diy which has got that heavy pounding percussion and him deriding the kind of post-punk revival and all the bands that they often get compared to where really there isn't um 
isn't much of a through line, if any. I mean, I think you're right to call them a punk duo rather than an electro-punk duo or a post-punk duo because I think punk is the only thing that you can really describe them as because they do cover a lot of ground with quite minimalist and sparse um, well, kind of execution, you know, musically and and in terms of kind of just production and stuff. Yeah. It's quite quite often quite barren. I think that plays to their strengths in terms of the theme that informs Sleaford Mods. Yeah, well, I mean, I think what's cool about it, what I really like is that, you know... Um, there's that feel on that first song, that like kind of big throbbing electro rock, but also it feels, you know, this is not produced by fucking Mark Ronson or something. Do you no. know what I mean? Like this is not over, this is produced like a bunch of people in a, it, it sounds like it's made in a, I guess a home studio and I don't know if it is or not, but it sounds like it's just produced in, in the most kind of rudimentary fashion possible with very little kind of layering the base element of what, this is and jason taking getting a theme and just running it like mm. absolutely run and you know there is you know they give post-punk a bit of a kick in on diy they and did. Yeah. and you know and I, I think there's a feel of it's not even really post-punk but it's a punk that is that kind of it's it's got that feel to something like suicide or the normal mm. now you wouldn't call either of those bands post-punk you wouldn't really call either of them punk. You wouldn't really call them electro-punk. Maybe some people would say that about suicide. I don't know. But what those those sort of artists had was just this... There was There's a sort of brilliant starkness about it. And I've spoken about... So when I interviewed Steve Von Till from Neurosis a couple mm. of years back, and we were talking about Discharge, who were like basically his favourite band ever. Mm. And he spoke about the Discharge haiku which I think I've mentioned a few yes, times, yeah, yeah. which is just where you go, these lyrics are so blunt, they're so obvious, and they're so stark that they actually work as poetry because there's no fat on them at all. There's mm. none, no fucking fat. No, you know, you did the Garth Marenghi thing. I know <laughs> right yeah, into yeah. his metaphors and they're all cowards. There's no fucking metaphors on this. Like, nah. it's just like, this is as stark as fuck. And I think people, again, you know, like I know Sleaford Mods aren't fans of idols, for no. example. No, 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 no um, very much not. But I think, you know, like that is definitely something that Joe Talbot from Idols has done or has tried to do as well, right? That kind of, this is so unbelievably just stark and clear and there, there, there's nothing that you're like, oh, well, well, what could he be talking about here? Mm. You know exactly what he's talking about. And it's delivered in a way in, like you say, in his accent, which is, and his voice and his cadence and his tone and all that stuff. Couldn't really be anyone else. Couldn't really be anyone else. And it's unusual to hear a band in what, you know, from the last sort of 15 years where mm. you go, this, I know immediately who that is. Yeah. I immediately know this is Sleep of Mods straight away. And, even without knowing all their material, you know, without learning all of their albums, they are so distinct mm. in the music that they make for both of those reasons that I think you, you kind of have to give them fuckloads of credit for just creating something which is really comparable to lots of things, but only really sounds like them. And I think ultimately, like, I really like this record. I really, really like it. And I like some of the shit on it, like, you know, at the start of DIY, when you go, excuse me, mate, you dropped your tattoo. And you go, oh, did I? Uh, like, <laughs> it's yeah. fucking hilarious, right? And it does, it, found, it, it sounds like, you know, 
like grime it sounds like grime mm. it sounds like something that comes from the dirtiest grimiest nastiest part of britain in the, almost in the, in the 70s i don't mean that as an insult at all i mean you know it's like till dipper sounds like minor threat if they're from nottingham and they were just into booze and fags rather than straight edge do you know what yeah, i mean it's hardcore sleaford mods doing hardcore isn't it i mean for me the the other ones um well right wing beast i think the percussion on that reminds me of nudget when it comes in which obviously i've already said how much i like that song that one makes me think of kind of injuring the blockheads it's got kind of it's almost cheeky chappy but then done to this really kind of fractured lens and there's some kind of dark underbelly to it and then smash each other up which i think is absolutely brilliant that sparse percussion and the throb that starts it, it makes me think of Guillotine by Death Grips. It's just that Jason Williams said is a lot more reserved than MC Ride would ever be. And, you know, I think this, the percussion is a lot more sparse. I do think the low energy on that one as well, um, talking about the kind of no room for manoeuvre or no room for interpretation of the lyrics. I think him going into a real kind of lackadaisical register on that, that kind of, I'm defiant, but we are feeling pretty defeated. Like it, it, really, it sums up uh, the national mood quite fucking well. I would say. I think. I think this is really, really strong indeed. I think there are a couple of bits that it loses me ever so slightly. Um, I think something like Tory Kong. Like I like the kind of skitty stuff that he skit. Sounds derisive, and I don't mean it as such. But the kind of kind of tongue in cheek like opening to DIY that you just mentioned. I think on Tory Kong, something there for me, that feels like it's getting close to caricature of what people think of Sleaford mods who don't like Sleaford mods. You know, right. we're sort of just repeating this mantra and then sort of saying the song title. Not really as a chorus though. That one loses me a little bit. But beyond that, I think it's great. I think Andrew Fern's instrumental compositions across this doing so much with so little i think i think he's played a bit of a blinder here yeah i clearly like this brand more than i thought i did i think yeah this is really good and in it just to go into sort of jason's voice a little bit more i mean i love on the grounds is a song that i really like on here which is mm. um very very synthy and there's a bit where jason goes i recognize your face on twitter and surely <laughs> yeah. that's every fucking mouthy cunt with a not their, without their own face on their Twitter profile yep. who likes mouthing off. That is surely their worst fucking nightmare. And <laughs> Twitter blue is... must be a fucking nightmare for Sleaford mods. Yeah. Uh, his voice has got a bit of a John Lydon wobble to it now. Now, look, yeah. you can fucking slag John Lydon off all you want. And there's plenty to slag John Lydon off about. And you don't maybe, you might go, oh, fucking hell, I don't want to be compared to him. But if you ask me, you know who a great punk rock vocalist is john lydon sounds fucking great right and mm. i don't think jason williamson sounds exactly the same like john as john lydon but there are bits where that kind of that sneer and mm. that it's his own version of it definitely but he does remind me a little bit of john lydon just a little bit like not to the point where it you know it's an obvious rip off or anything but i guess more kind of the feel of it feels like John yeah, 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 a spiritual and homage I, almost. Yeah, and and I like I like, I rate that as someone who loves the Sex Pistols. Mm. I rate that, and I do like. I mean, there's so many bits on it that like lyrically that I just think are brilliant. Like, I mean, in in Don, he talks about predating Kilroy, which as a cuss <laughs> is one of the fucking that is one of the best cusses. I think you can i've ever heard it's amazing i mean you're probably too young to remember kilroy being on telly do you remember kilroy robert, I... do you remember robert kilroy silk he's a fucking piece of shit that man. he's a <laughs> fucking cunt i don't know i remember the bit in bottom where they steal a, a bbc camera from a riot and then they do their own version of kilroy that's all i know about kilroy 
Kilroy is a fucking arsehole. Right. He's a fucking arsehole. He's basically a sort of Roger Moore version of Nigel Farage. He's a fucking Ooh, tosser. He's me. a fucking tosser. He's one of the biggest tossers in the... I don't even call him a tosser. feels like it's... Oh, I'm going to stick to cunt. Yeah. Stick to cunt. He's a cunt. He's a yeah. fucking cunt. And bringing up Kilroy in a song <laughs> in 2023 was brilliant. Yeah. I, I loved that. It was fucking class. Um, yeah, smash each other up is brilliant as well. I yeah, mean, yeah. I really like... There's a kind of oi feel to um, Pit to Pit as well. It's got mm. a kind of almost an oi style chant again. And again, it feels like it's sort of borrowing from a bit of punk rock that doesn't really get borrowed from that much these days. You know, doesn't Not, really get referenced by that whole post-punk revival. They wouldn't ref. I don't think any of them would ref. You, you wouldn't get Yard Act. <laughs> we we always shit on. I feel, well, no, I do. I do. Yeah, you quite you like them, yeah. No, to be honest, I like, that one one, I, like, I like that one song. Um, but I do feel like we fucking <laughs> shit on Yard Act. It's always Yard Act. There's plenty of other ones we could pick, but it always seems to be Yard Act. Because Who's that one that came out? The, the Ratings. To pick them. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not a post-punk band, are they? I don't know what they are. They're like Algiers. They're indefinable. Yeah. Let, let's stick with Yard Act, because I bet that Sleaford Mods don't like Yard Act. Like, if they don't like Idols, they won't like Yard Act. No, they probably won't like Yard Act. And that's fine. Uh, also, let's talk about, I would say, maybe the most... We <laughs> Last week, we are going, bloody hell, Zach De La Rocha turned up on the Algiers album. Who saw that coming? Who saw fucking Perry Farrell turning up on a... <laughs> on a Sleaford Mods album. Yeah, bit of an about turn, isn't it? Well, it's just great. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, fucking great. I a mean, nice like, surprise, definitely. Great surprise. So Trendy is the song that Perry Farrell is on. Mm. Got this weird little sort of popping nursery rhyme beat and almost kind of blobby, flabby synth. And then Perry Farrell comes in doing the melody and a verse of his own. And it's just, it's class. It's absolute, absolute class. Yeah, I did see that So Trendy is one of the pre-release singles and it totally makes sense to me. And I think, again, it kind of nails uh, a lot of, certainly kind of contemporary Sleaford Mods thing of, um, you know, absolutely, you know, smacking down and mocking the, you know, kind of horrible style over substance. I mean, landfill, indie, onwards, kind of awful British music that kind of permeates, (laughs) permeates Glastonbury lineups like... Like the Arctic Monkeys, oh God! Although I do like their first four oh, albums. So. Leave it oh, out, honestly. Leave it out. Oh, you try some it, and that's just yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really into this. I think, as we've discussed, or as we will discuss, it's quite a strong week for stuff like this. Even yes, enough, but nothing's really like this. No. I think we've got a distinct set of albums and I think there are some in their respective fields that are clearly better than others, even if they don't necessarily share that much DNA. But yeah, we'll mm. get into that, won't we? So We'll get into that. We'll get into that. But basically, I think this is really good. I'm with you, Steve. I think this is really good. I think this is really good. It's called UK Grim. It's by Sleaford Mods. It's out now. You should go and listen to it. Um, the only... <laughs> I couldn't be more different from what we're about to talk about. Um, <laughs> when I said Sleaford Mods sounds like they're just sort of produced in a in a squat mm. in I don't know in Bradford in the and not Bradford they're from Nottingham but in the Stratton Market yeah in there yeah you see you know you're, that's your neck of the woods isn't it aye is these days anyway Midlands aye in the, in the early eighties 
Gent is not a genre. <laughs> Periphery 5 by Periphery. The seventh album from the tech metal popularizers and the follow-up to their 2019 album, Periphery 4, Hail Stan. Sounds like it was recorded on a spaceship mm. by evolved beings that have yet to show themselves to us mere humans. Periphery could not be more different from what we've just spoken <laughs> about, Obvious, obviously. Yeah, um, the the other side of the musical coin. If, uh, if you like sparsity and kind of, you know, um, minimalist production, this is not the album for you. But um, I, I I don't think we've ever chatted about Periphery, Steve. I think their names come up a couple of times, but that was because we knew we were going to be doing the album. Um, how do you feel about Periphery generally? Because for me, I think they are basically the best of their field, which is the kind of, you know, post sugar kind of tech explosion into Gent and stuff like that. I think they since um since the two juggernaut albums i think they've been proving themselves really interesting and i think it's from uh select difficulty they've really kind of mm. stood out as a cut above uh so I was, I was really excited for this um but how do, how do you feel about them broadly as a band i like periphery i cool. really do i think they are one of the only bands from this particular scene that have actually got anything really going for them mm. i think tech metal is i mean when you say deathcore and we snigger or we say metalcore and we snigger and we say like pop punk and we snigger fucking gent and tech metal has got to be one of the most creatively bankrupt genres on the on planet earth it is fucked i haven't heard anything from tech i mean it's kind of it's basically sort of started to go away now it really but you you've basically got car bomb and you got tesseract you got periphery and tesseract from the early lot i'd say there's a there's uh dead letter circus album which is really good there's a couple of good monuments albums that might actually be it that might actually be it if we're going to allow car bomb i would then also plump for frontier but yeah it's, it's oh yeah 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 I it's guess so, not yeah. a crowded field is it i would say frontier are a little bit on the overly extreme suppose end so. yeah. To, um i quite like bear as well actually oh yes they were good yeah, yeah. they're quite good as well um but there's not many. There's not many of these kind of seven-string junk, 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 like bands that I think are are any good. No, they're either boring and, and quite forgettable, or they're literally insufferable. Mm. Absolutely insufferable. And it's basically it is Meshuggah's fault and it's Sips' <laughs> fault. Yeah, but it's also Periphery's fault because I think Periphery were. I reckon, along with Tesseract, probably the band who... And, like, Vale and Mayer, I know people would say they're one of the first. I know they've got a new album coming out. I've never cared about them in any way whatsoever. But Periphery introduced kind of clean singing, mm. as did Tesseract. So like, that kind of full-blown clean singing thing into this type of music. And when you go back to the first Periphery album, first two Periphery albums... I remember getting that first one when it came out because, you know, I was into whatever was cool at the time. And so Periphery were like this sort of hype band Mm -hmm. and they were getting quite a lot of like, you know, underground. Like, oh my God, this thing's happening. It's going to be amazing. And I remember getting Periphery self-titled and thinking, oh, this is really, really good. And then kind of forgetting about it. And it wasn't really until the kind of Juggernaut, Alpha, Juggernaut, Omega pair of albums, which I want to say is 2015. Uh, would have been a bit earlier than that, I think. I think Select Difficulty might have been around 15 or 16. Well, I'm going to check. You have a right, check, yeah, yeah. Right, the second. Well, I would check, but then the, 
the thing to oh no periphery 2 this time it's personal it was called um yeah juggernaut came out in uh juggernaut alpha came out in january 2015 juggernaut omega oh. came out in january oh, they both came out at the same time i didn't know that so yeah oh yeah they both basically got released on the same day january 2015 so right at the start of 2015 ah okay fair enough fair enough yeah uh, but I liked both of those albums a lot. I remember th- thinking them to be a higher standard uh, than the the other two periphery albums that I'd forgotten about. And mm. yeah, I, I like them. They've become weirder and more exper- experimental over the years. And I think that is good. Um, so yeah, I was pretty kind of excited to hear this. I mean, I looked at the track listing and the length of the album. Mm-hmm. There's only nine songs, but it still is. It's long, isn't it? It is well. Seventy minutes is long. It it it, it is long. There is no getting around it. It is long. But to be honest, I say for the most part, I was very very happy to just sort of sit back and let this album kind of uh, take me through this weird cavalcade of grooves that it was going to do. And I think uh, on the first song, for example, like Wildfire, um starts off with these kind of interweaving serpentine intricate riffs that you would expect from a gent band and i do like that periphery have always had a bit of a sense of humor uh, sometimes maybe comes across a bit clunky i think the title gent is not a genre you know a lot of people have been kind of memeing that but it's like well they're doing it to kind of take the mick because i suppose it's not well no, i suppose it, it is a very much defined genre and i guess they're not really playing that game anymore but that song it starts with a gent riff, basically. Then you get these flex like digitized and natural harmonics and stuff. It interlaces some kind of, I don't know, a bit more intrigue. And then it basically, um, like after doing some sort of chaos fear onwards and sugar stuff, turns into like a lounge jazz break and it doesn't feel absurd and it all ties together. And then by the end of the song, it's all kind of coalesced into this one thing. And I think for me, the real strength of this album in particular, I'd say broadly periphery as a whole, not to... Um, under you know kind of understate the impact of the instrumental parts but i mean spencer's vocals like you know we talk about the clean singing coming into tech he can do it so much better than anyone else because when i think clean singing in gent um you know it is the gent riff and then someone just going like the fucking heart machine or something like that but spencer (laughs) actually has ability and he has soul and such brilliant execution i mean there's uh one bit on uh towards the end of wax wings they get this kind of like piano and string refrain bringing in a proper cool like pop chorus and then it ties into the periphery sound if you want to call it that which again is kind of hard to define really tech it's, metal disney in it tech, well i was gonna say to be honest with the way spencer hit some of those high notes i was gonna say it's like tech metal let live it's like if let live we're listening to Meshuggah as well as you know kind of black flag and james brown i think it's great um i i really like this whole album i do like uh the final track thanks nobuo which is 11 minutes and 17 seconds. It maybe does outstay its welcome a little bit, but I like that because it feels like a good summation of the record, bar silhouette, which I think we'll come to in a minute. Um, but it feels like a good summation of a lot of the kind of instrumental motifs that have run through it. And for me, it means that I can make a tech metal album that bit nerdier because it did confirm my suspicions that a lot of the music on this is kind of inspired by Noboru Uematsu, who is the Final Fantasy game music composer. So... Lads, if this is your audition to get on the soundtrack for Final Fantasy 16, you've got my vote. Lovely. Yeah, no, that is true. It is. It is. Um, now I, nerdy. Yeah. I knew that to be oh, a fact, did you? and I oh. wasn't going to bring that up because I find it 
something which I know so little about that yeah. I would end up sounding like a fucking idiot because I don't know what I'm talking about. But I know that they are inspired by game music. Yeah. On this game soundtracks by all by all accounts. I mean, you know, I uh that's fine you can be inspired by whatever you want to be inspired by i mean it's not made me go whoa i must go and listen to final fantasy like i'm not gonna i'm obviously not going to do nah, that you'd but, hate it. yeah yeah i mean there is basically it's kind of three blocks of three over the nine tracks right so you get the first three i mean you're, you're right wildfire is a fucking amazing opener it's seven mm, minutes long mm. and because it goes into all of you know that almost sort of sexy SoundCloud rap part towards the end. I was like, with, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, fuck me. This is this is different. But yeah, you do get all the kind of jank, jank, jank stuff. But like, they're very good at doing it. And Spencer, mm. who is the clear man of the match on this record, I have yeah. to say, like the yeah, clear yeah. man of the match. Um, it's great. I mean, I think Atropos, you know, eight and a half minutes long as well. Doesn't need to be that long. Not sure. Great riff again. And, and catchy. And Wax Wings. I mean, you know, yes, you're right. It's got a load of tech metal Disney stuff. And it's got a bit of kind of let Livy soul pop gone hard rock gone on it. Feral, it's cool. Yeah. I think for me, the middle three, which are basically the the short, sharp. I mean, I say short, five minutes, four minutes, 51, five minutes, 17. Mm. You know, again, they're not sleeper mods at all. <laughs> but no. but that four of everything's fine, silhouette and dying star, that is the high point of this record for for me. I think mm. everything on here is good, right? I think everything on here is really good, in fact. But I think those three songs in particular, everything's fine. That has a bit of that car bomb kind of whooshy. That has a bit of like that pew, 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 like laser riffs in it, which I think is really cool. Yep. And that bit where, you know, when Spencer's going, fuck your sanctuary, like that <laughs> bit is, it's like, it's heavy. It's really, really good. It's really heavy. But the two on the album for me, Silhouette mm. is amazing. It sounds like a classic 80s synth pop ballad. It sounds like the 1975. It's the shortest song on the record, you know, by a good 16 seconds Ugh. away from uh, the track before it. But, you know, four minutes and 51. It's comfortably the shortest song on the record. And they fucking nail it. They nail doing a pop song. I mean, yep. Gent, this has nothing to do with Gent nothing at all to do with gent nothing nothing to do with tech metal nothing to do with metal nothing to do with tech just a pop song and it's fucking great and dying star is really poppy as well it's a mm. little bit quicker to get in and out um and i mean i've i've written down that that kind of sounds like death tone death tones or glass jaw doing boys to men <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, fair enough i can't profess to be a massive boys to men fan so i don't know how accurate that is but i'll take you well, this is it. a failing on your part yeah i know i prefer cleopatra oh fuck off dear. he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't know what he's on about no i don't um, i'm being <laughs> he bored know what he's on about uh yeah mate fuck me like great glass of doing boys to men is you know is a weird thing to say the stephen hill venn diagram though <laughs> it basically yeah. is yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, it basically is, but it, it's it's fucking great. It's fucking great. And then I think they go back to we basically eradicated gent and tech metal for about ten minutes. Yeah. Good. It, on, it, it, good. It's great. a cool break in the album, definitely. I think silhouette. It's um, at first kind of took me back because it is quite a sudden about turn. Like everything is fine. 
is a bit, it, as you say, sort of a more straight down the line metal banger. It doesn't quite go to as many sort of weird polyrhythmic time signatures. Silhouette, when it comes in, like uh, it, it is a pop song, and they do it really, really well. It's quite woozy, sweet synth pop. I think it's really good. Yeah, by the time we get back to Sagrius, I mean, I did like hearing that sort of grimy, elastic riff again. But then, yeah, when you get into back to the kind of eight, 12, 11 minute tracks, it's like, okay, I mean, maybe pare it down a little bit. But I I really like all of it. I really like all of it. I think it's a really strong album. And that, there is definitely stuff that could be trimmed. But immediately, I'm, I'm not seeing much flab on it because there are so many ideas in here. And it's not like it stays in one place too often for too long. No, no, it really doesn't. I mean, that's the thing, actually. Is I was gonna say, those last two songs, which when I looked at it, I was like, oh, it's fucking 23 and a half minutes of my between life. Between two you're songs, doing, yeah. Between two songs. Like, come on, lads. You, I know you don't need that. But then actually, you know, they kind of do. You've got the sugar worship. You've got some soaring soul vocals. on. You've got that synth part that ends it. Like, very cool kind of dream pop um synth with a throbbing disco beat which just sort of fades into the next one and there's got an almost sort of punk the strings in that there's a sort of punk chorus there's like mm. a sort of punk rock chorus it is long but it's not long like it doesn't like drag it's not, no it's not a problem i mean i think this is a i think this is really good yeah. i think if you're a long time fan and i suspect you will have a cracking old time with this record oh yeah it's yeah. great it's great it also has some stuff that takes them not just slightly outside of their comfort zone because I think the good thing about Periphery is it's like it's not like you shouldn't have seen this coming. Mm. I feel like you know they've been hinting at doing something like this for a bloody long time, and you know it's just now I feel like they've probably gone further out of their comfort zone than they ever have before, and that's great. Fucking yeah. what we seven albums in? Yeah, seven albums. So yeah, and it's definitely their most experimental. I mean, is it the best Periphery album? <sighs> maybe it, it might be it might be i mean at the moment it would be any of the last three for me it would be select difficulty hells down all this basically i think i think they're on a real good run of form at the moment and yeah broadly yeah. broadly yeah maybe broadly just improving time after time who can say only the periphery time fans t- only the periphery fans yeah. um of which we are some yes I think. that is true because I like them. I think they're really good. They're one of the few bands that I do, you know, I, I do actually really like. From this yeah. Scene. Yeah. And no one can <laughs> take that mind. away from you. Can't. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, Gent is not a, Periphery 5, Gent is not a genre. It's out. It's out now. It's actually out. Uh, this came out last week. What we're going to talk about now. Ugly by Slow Tie. The third studio album from the Mercury nominated punk rock, punk, punk rock, punk rock UK rapper. The follow-up to his 2021 album, Tyron, which I have to be honest, I wasn't all that fussed about. I've got to be honest. Uh, Sam, Slow Tie, you a fan of Slow Tie at all? Uh, Slow Tie, um, I've not really got on with his albums before. Um, Tyron, yeah, I didn't massively get on with. I think there were good singles here and there, but I think he... It's a bit like when we were talking about Stormzy, when we did Stormzy's last album. I think he's a really, really cool uh, and energetic and quite vital sort of um, cultural figure who I haven't been that fussed by the output of. Um, And then, of course, there was the uh, Brit... It was the Brit Awards, wasn't it, where you got... uh, No, NME Awards, I think it was, where he was given Hero of the Year. It was the NME Awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Given Hero of the Year. And... uh, 
got into a scrap after being a bit a little bit leery over um oh my god what, what's her name the comedian i've forgotten her name Catherine ryan Catherine was. ryan that was it yeah 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 um and I did think, oh, you've kind of blown it there because now you are definitely going to be a whipping boy for the tabloids. And uh, I, that, that is exactly what happened. And it's informed what I am going to say is my favourite album that we're covering this week, Steve. I think this is unbelievably brilliant. I think when Yum comes in, I mean, we're about to talk. Like, it's gone straight uh, in. Look, yeah. he's gone straight in. He's Sorry, gone straight I'm, I'm going to go, go straight on. in. But Yum, the first track on this. We're going to talk about two noise rock bands. This is harsher and more threatening and more claustrophobic and more more noisy and just aggressive and oppressive than anything on the, the Zuzu or the um, Model Actress album. I think Yum is a deeply unsettling song and he sounds absolutely unhinged, absolutely furious. The laboured breathing that comes across it, it's really, really quite horrible. And I think a lot of this album is so much harsher and so much more... Uh, I, well, I don't mean to kind of discredit his previous work, but so much more inventive than I thought it was going to be. There's so much industrial stuff on this interwoven into that kind of punk, grime, hip-hop thing that that I did think that Slow Tie was. I think this is a really twisted album that has some interesting moments of kind of light shimmering through. I think particularly on the title track, the way the layers and layers of synths, I mean, that is such a multi-layered track, but the way the synths just bubble up and then eventually break through like light coming through the kind of dark surface... It's so cool. Feel good. Battering industrial rave percussion. It's nihilistic hedonism of someone on the edge. Absolutely losing their mind in kind of this frenzy of excess. But it's quite breezy compared to the tracks that have preceded it because they are so bleak. They're so sort of like monolithic kind of slabs of just like sanguine horribleness. I'm blown away by this, to be honest, Steve. I feel like you're about to tell me you don't think it's very good. Looking at the no, no, I, I was about to read my uh, my intro. To, to oh, sorry, album, which I haven't even got to yet. But I was well, like, do that. He's gone. He's then, gone. Yeah. I was going to say it's been rapturously received. This album. Oh, I see. yeah. Okay, brilliant. You just heard you. Just heard it. Yeah. And um, and when I saw the reviews for it, I was like, okay, we well, look. Slow tie has been. It's been decided that slow tie was going to be you know um a hero uh, uh i because he came through he held up boris johnson's head and yes. you know then he he obviously he's apologized for the Catherine ryan thing yeah yeah and i think people kind of forgotten about it and they've gone back to being like oh he's this larry like oh he's so essential and da, 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 da. Mm. in my head so the last couple of albums i have not really been that bothered by slow slow tie particularly i think the first one's was was pretty good but I'm, i don't really go back to it i don't think tyrant's all that to be honest at all i really don't um, but this is basically what I thought Slow Tie was going to sound like. I saw him do. I was there that night when he did that Mercury Music Prize thing with Boris Johnson's severed head mm. and fucking pissed everyone off. And it was, it was so exciting. And then yeah. to go and listen yeah. to him on record when that album came out and it, it not really be that, it was a real shame. But this is what I thought he was going to be. I mean, he is a Larry geezer and he's making a record that is a Larry punk rock record but also showing off his softer side that mm. he feel that, that i feels like he he can't it doesn't really feel like he's in control of who he is and that is really really exciting i think mm. when this starts like you say yum it's this electro throbbing bass and it is so intense i've been lacking motivation i need an innovation intervention i mean another thing that's another thing about this record the hooks on this record 
are fucking spectacular. Mm. Absolutely spectacular. That's one. You mentioned the title track. U-G-L-Y, U-G-L-Y, just over and over again. Really, really simple. But in your head, first listen through. Mm -hmm. It's there. It's in your head. You get, you know, somebody talking about their deepest anxieties way more interestingly than he has done previously for for me you get kind of weird psychedelic stuff on Mm. selfish which is still punk rock and again he's all over the gaff he's slurring he's spitting he doesn't sound like he's in control of what's going on and that again a bit like jason williamson where you go like well this guy could do it he could do anything at any moment like it could all fucking come crumbling down and it kind of never quite does um I think there is, there's parts of this record. Sooner, for example, has a kind of two-step scar, almost a Mark Ronson, almost a bit 2000 Camden indie lad. Like there are parts on this where he goes into that indie landfill territory. Now, that isn't, that is a stylistic thing, which I've always had a bit of a problem with. But those of you who've listened for a while know enough to know that there are bands from that scene that i do actually think is good i don't think it's necessarily just like a blanket this is rubbish do you know what i mean like it's not Mm. just like oh this is rubbish right so i don't think that 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 him doing those songs are necessarily bad Mm, stylistically does it feel as exciting as when it's this kind of you know two minute electro rock slammer called feel good which is like halfway between the specials, the Go Team and Big Audio Dynamite. Again, super hooky, fucking amazing. That to me is considerably more exciting than when the the occasional bit, the occasional bit where it goes into that kind of landfill indie thing. It's very occasional, but that would be my only criticism of this record. I think that is fair. I do think that tends to be the weaker moment, the weaker moment, really. I think sooner musically on the album, but even then I think there's the dichotomy of the musical presentation and then what he's talking about and just this dark passionate it's a terrifyingly brutally honest album and to be honest a bit like mr morale and the big step is slow tide does not cover himself in glory in his own portrayal of himself in kind of espousing his deepest anxieties and fears and depression and neuroses and it's like wow a a real fucking bold move and i think it pays off massively i i think this is absolutely fucking brilliant I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think a song like Falling, you've got slow tight, like his vocals, throat shredding and desperate. Him just like screaming over (laughs) what sounds like the kind of, I don't know, weird sort of electro ambient of like Kid A in Rainbow's era Radiohead. It's like, there's there's a lot going on here and it is so much more than I expected from from a third album from Slow Tie. Um, Yeah, Um, a bit lost for words on this one, to be honest, mate. I think it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, so much of this is is brilliant. I mean, and, and, and oddly, for an album which I think is comfortably the angriest, heaviest, punkiest album he has done, my favourite parts on it are the slower ones. All of my favourites. I mean, I mentioned you, uh, Ugly. The UGLY mm. hook is really, really great. I think the way that that just rings, that kind of wailing guitar, that hook is amazing. I think Never Again is a piano ballad but a very very unusual one i mean it yeah. goes for it reminds me of kind of early plan b or even the streets actually even the kind of mike mm-hmm. skinner thing and it's a sad song it's about you know feeling like you can't talk to normal people from normal places it's you know it's a regret song it's a working class 
almost kind of underclass regret song i think it's absolutely fucking brilliant i think you mentioned falling which has that kind of Wurlitzer thing which sounds a bit like a slowed down version of in the garage by uh by weezer or in the garage i should say um but it's almost got this sort of shoegazy kind of thing going on as well it's really 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 great and for me the best thing on this record the best song is tourniquet which mm. is this sort of piano jazz thing but with the bluntest delivery i cannot learn from it i keep on burning shit that is hard like mm-hmm. that is hard when he's saying that and like i say i like a lot of the post-punky stuff on it like what's funny i think is a banger again sounds a bit like slaves who i'm not that keen on but mm. you know i think he's still you're still kind of there for it because that's not the only thing that he does um but those parts are my favorite parts i think tourniquet is amazing and he sounds legitimately traumatized at the mm. at the end this is really very very exciting this record i think slow tie was an exciting artist and he had a great voice and he had something to say but he's not someone that i felt like i need an entire album from but that's massively changed here because i think this is fucking great because it feels like this sits on the edge i think the best thing about this is it feels like it sits right on the very edge it's like the first corn album like he, he this is like there are bits in this where it's like He's given his Jonathan Davis style performance where yeah. you really believe and feel all the stuff that he's talking about. And he's going through it in real time in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that is brilliant. That is fucking brilliant. And so, yes, although, I mean, I don't think this is a perfect record, but I think it is comfortably the best slow tie album. And yeah, probably the best thing we're covering this week. For yeah. my money, it is the best thing we're covering this week. I think I think it's a pretty strong week. But I think yeah, this I is do. I do. really, really strong album indeed. I am proper blown away by this. I think it's yeah, great. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, Ugly by Slow Tie is out, as is Ignore Grief by Juju, the 13th studio album from the experimental US collective, the follow-up to their 2021 album, Oh No, which I reviewed when I was on Riot Act podcast back in the day. I like this band, Juju, but, and I was quite keen to talk about Oh No, but it wasn't annoyingly for me it wasn't really their strongest album mm. right so initially i was like ah oh, should i just leave it but then i re- i kind of read in the the build up to this i was quite delighted to read as well that apparently they were going to be going back to some sort of return to the stylistic things they were doing on the very odd very nightmarish 2019 album and i think probably considered their classic album at this point girl with basket of fruit which is hard work but mm. fucking great right um so this record basically depicts the suffering of people close to the band in its first half and then some fictional stories on the second half there's a lot of quite traumatic stuff happening on this record here and there's lots of images of you know abuse and death and prostitution and murder and cults and teen tragedy you know like the inspired by the sort of 50s genre of it and this is way 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 more brutal a listen than oh no and it's also only 40 minutes long mm. and i think as not i'm not sure i could have handled much more to be fair you know oh no was nearly 15 minutes longer and if, if this had been the same length i think it it wouldn't have flown with me as much um but this to me is a bit of a return to form after an album which i'd forgotten about from juju i think this is like approach with caution but approach i would say broadly speaking 
I think that's fair. I think I should definitely check out their 2019 album then, because I don't believe I've heard that. Um, I like this. I definitely have a proclivity for nightmarish, noisy soundscapes. I believe we've established that. Yeah. I, th- I mean, this is this is hard work. It is hard work. I mean, the uh, the real chaos of Cha Cha Cha, the opening song, it's basically kind of five minutes of really harsh sort of metallic percussion that's clanging quite and drilling, basically. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and a lot of harsh wailing noise, occasionally interrupted by sort of quite muffled vocal samples that just sound like torturous. Um, you got a song like uh, Tarsia, 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 which is a sort of twisted opera of sorts um yeah do you know what that 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 is not it's not as brutal as this it's not as it's not as hard to listen to but it's not a million miles away from the sort of sounds you would hear on caligula by lingua ignota lingua ignota is exactly i think particularly the last half of this i think the reference point that i had for it definitely um when you get something like uh parump which is kind of black jazz doing a nightmarish big band it's like yeah i could have heard that somewhere fitting into caligula definitely um border factory i quite liked the industrial sort of grinding pace of like of that it was like if reptile from the downward spiral wasn't a song but was more of an ambient piece and i quite liked that that does sound like a slight it's not meant to but Mm. i mean within the context of this album and how hard it is i think getting to compare it to anything that i like is like uh, quite a good thing it's almost catchy when the synths yeah. come in towards the end of it. It's like almost catchy. It's the only time it comes. It becomes kind of almost catchy. I mean, yeah, you know, like it starts nightmarish, but horrible, but effective. Yeah. And you get like, you know, 666 Fighters of Nothing sounds like a horror, horror movie um, score from the 1930s. Yeah. It's genuinely kind of quite an upsetting thing to listen to at some points. Yeah. It does get a little bit more relaxed. It does get a bit more dark. It does get a bit more subdued. I actually, I think it's at its best when it is ramped up to those murderously callous standards of something like Tarsia, 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 Tarsia. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily need it to be that catchy. You know, um, Dracula Parrot is wretched. It goes like, it goes as hard as something from The Drift, I think. Yeah, you know, it, and, and when I say it goes hard, I'm not talking. You know, this isn't fucking. They're not <laughs> hate breed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not hate breed. I just nuts. mean it is. It is like fucking oppressive. punishing, yeah. oppressive, punishing, bleak, startling, and ugly. Mm. You know, it, it's all of those things, and um, you would have to be in the mood for this. I'm not always often in the mood for this sort of thing that much, but I do think there are... The thing is, when you mention albums like Caligula, which I think is a fucking masterpiece, even though I don't want to listen to it, mm. obviously, you know, you won't get you what you want. You're not really yep. meant to be nice about that album, especially to mention those two next to each other. feels a little bit like, you know, we should at least acknowledge that that is, you know, uh, sonically speaking alone, like it, it has a similar feel that you get from it. Mm. The, I've already mentioned The, the Drift, Drift, definitely. Uh, Scott I mean, Walker, I by extension... Is, well, bish bosh by scott walker as well i think yeah. with the kind of clattering percussion coming in on that definitely yeah um you know like th- th- there are things that, th- that are very clear um i guess very clear kind of superior versions of this i think right so i would say girl with basket of fruit um does it is still is better and i think it mm. does something else which this album um look you know this is this is good this is really good it's fucking hard work and if yeah. you're going to reach for an album which is fucking hard work but maybe isn't quite as hard work as those ones we've just mentioned 
I think this would be a pretty good one for you to, to go to. I was wondering if 4M is a reference to Mimi Parker from Lowe, who passed away. It could well be, because it is a sort of collage of like harsh soundscapes. Um, mm. And it is the longest song on the album, you know, it's just over eight it minutes. Um, to be fair with that one, uh, that could well be the case. With that one, I did feel that actually it was smart for the album to be around 40 minutes because if there was something after 4M, it'd be like, I think mm. the effect would have dulled by that point. Yeah. 40 yeah. minutes of this, it does feel like, I mean, to, to say it's like, oh, it's a bite-sized, it's a more, <laughs> it's the sort of thing to get you into this kind of noisy rock stuff. Like, you know, you, you know what I mean? But like, it, it is all of those things. But I think, I guess, the difference between something like The Drift mm. and Caligula is that, there's an there's an extra and i think girl with basket of fruit has this there's this kind of unquantifiable um upsetting nature you listen to it and it, i think i think it just it hits you a lot harder mm. i don't think this is bad this record i think it's actually quite good i mean i wasn't mad keen on the last one i think this is far far better and this is definitely what they are better at doing i think it's not the sort of thing i can imagine myself listening to loads but it is the sort of thing that I would imagine I might put on one day if it's raining outside and it's dark and I'm feeling miserable. Um, and I, But I can't face anything too heavy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's still good. There are moments on it that are really good. And I think they, they create a very harsh, upsetting sonic palette when they put their mind to it, Juju. That they do. And they do it well. I do yeah so there you go uh ignore grief by juju that is out now as is this has been out for a few weeks actually model actress dog's body the debut album from the new york-based industrial four piece an album which is they say is set between dusk and dawn Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, so someone likes Ooh. themes someone likes <laughs> someone, someone likes things that are about other things um <laughs> I want to say a big thank you to the excellently named. This is an excellent name, and the Taylor great. Joy Division yeah. on Twitter. That is a good. That is a good Twitter handle. That mm. for telling us to listen to this. This is fucking great. This record mm -hmm. and Sam. This is a bit of you. This oh. is a bit of you. I'm going to give it one a one word sell, and I'm going to let Sam go. This is kind of like to me. This is kind of like I like trains. If they were from New York and they were really upset, I'll tell you what this is. This is Hell Songs by Daughters without the guilt, essentially. This is Hell Songs by Daughters. This is a fucking brilliant, wiry kind of, yeah, industrial post-punk noise rock little... Yeah, Steve has actually turned away. He knows I'm going to go off on one. But just like... Some of a sip of water. I was being bawdy, Steve. I was trying to. I won't imply enjoy it. No, that I, won't. I was. No, you no, won't I was, enjoy it. No. I, was, I was just just getting that up. That's all. Just oh. getting my Huey Lewis final up, actually. So. Oh, I bet it was someone really handsome and erudite who got you that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's funny this you should is, say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah go on. This is just a set of fucking brilliant noise rock bangers, and I think the thing with noise rock is you have got bands like Juju who take more from sort of Mersbo and the kind of nightmarish soundscapes like you say, of the drift and of uh, what Lingua Ignota is doing in that kind of Baroque um, sort of interpolation of neoclassical. And then you've got what Daughters were doing and someone like Teeth Grinder as well, uh, that hostage stamps, uh, mm -hmm. what's called hostage stamps, wasn't it? Uh, the Teeth Grinder album from 2021, which was excellent. 
this sits very much in there where it's really really grating and quite scabrous and it's all very metallic and it's cold but you can still dance to it i mean on donkey show it takes a little while i'd say before the percussion really kicks in but when you get that drawling yes yes yeah it's just so mechanical it's it is absolutely horrible but i love it yeah and the one for me I, th- I think the whole album is really really cool i think there are some interesting uh sort of unexpected swerves that it takes so something like uh divers which is almost quite tender but you still know that something horrible is about to happen because there is this kind of wheezing breathing going underneath it and then sun in the final track weirdly sort of a histrionic ballad quite a nice yeah. way to end it, it the is one- a, it's a, i wondered if i because i was listening on spotify and i wondered if it just switched to somebody else <laughs> no no it's too nice isn't it really it's kind of too nice it is too nice i mean you saying that it's about the dawn and the dusk i mean i'd say basically what you've got here is you've got what uh eight tracks up in it eight tracks of dusk and then there is divers which is quite nice and then yeah you got the sun coming up on sun in for me though the absolute the 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 zenith of this album because the line has been stuck in my head since the day i listened to it I'll just be walking around and I'll be going, with the body count, higher than a mosquito. It's yeah, fucking it's brilliant, Mosquito. Yeah. What a good song. What a great I song. I the, the crossing guard bit with, uh, you don't, you don't, you don't, as enemies. <laughs> that, that, is, so good, that is the hooky bit. I've been going like, yeah. you don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't. Uh, yeah, mate, great. Yeah, Mosquito is, is wicked. Mm. That is a wicked clanging, banging, pummeling industrial thing. I've written craft work, that kind of locomotive rhythmic, like unstoppable Teutonic locomotive rhythm that runs through so much of this record. You've got that kind of Peter Hook bass mm. that just sort of bubbles under everything on something like 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 Slate. Um, it has that sort of stalking beat as well, uh, which is really, really good. Um, I thought you might mention Amaranth. With yeah. uh, that big black guitar mm. and the sort of Joy Division disco beat thing that goes beneath it as well. Um, yeah, like Pure Mode, again, is really good. I like hearing them go half-time. They don't often do that kind of half-time robotic stomp, these bands, but they do, and it sounds fucking excellent as well. Um, the song Maria is one of the weirdest things I've heard in fucking forever. <laughs> the rhythm on that, I- I've never heard. It's like... It's like Stomp, you know, the actual bin yeah, clanging yeah, yeah, yeah. people d- doing like a salsa musical. Put through like a fuckload of distortion pedals as well. Yeah, what the uh, fuck is that about? It's, it's great. Really weird. It's so mm. good. Noise rock's brilliant, isn't it? It can be. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It can, it can be. be. Yeah. And I it think can here, be. It, it is, is here. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really good. Yeah, this oh. is really, really good. But the, the thing is, like I say, like I like trains are catchy as well. Yes, and I like trains. When I say like, oh, it's like I like trains, if they were upset, I mean I like trains are, are upset, but they're kind of sarcastically sort of mocking, and they're yeah. like sort of the, seedingly sort of sneering at the things they don't like. Mm. Whereas model actress are properly like, I'm going to fucking scream in your face, yeah, yeah, and or set fire to your feet or something. Do you know what I mean? Like they are, they're not having it. I mean, it, it is absolutely that daughter's appeal. And I think if, if like me, you have had that daughter's shaped hole in your life, I think model actress could be the one to fill it. And I think this is really, really strong indeed. Although I think the best summary I've seen of it was from Anya Taylor, Joy Division on Twitter, where they said that they'd seen it described as black country, new road for people who fuck. I think that's pretty spot on. And I like that. 
I like Black Country New Road. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. And I like this. So yeah. put two and two together. <laughs> Doesn't work. Sam just Audio medium. And Sam sampled. Oh, no. And then Sam pulled a face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did the hands, the synergy hands as well. He did the hands, he did the yeah, synergy yeah. hands as well. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah this is fucking great I mean yeah it does sound like Daughters or something like that and yes it does do that 80s robo crunk thing as well but ultimately as well it's just got really good songs got hooks and I think I think that's a thing that like Juju doesn't have the hooks and it's not Ooh. meant to to be fair to it it's not meant to but I think you know, if I was feeling like listening to something a bit dark, I mean, I would have to be in a real fucking bad mood to want to listen. It, it, it takes something to make me now go, oh, I'm going to listen to The Drift. Or I'm going to listen to <laughs> fucking, um, you know, Caligula. And, and I have, you know, I do occasionally, I do. But um, it's got to be, you've got to be in the right mood for it. I yeah, think yeah. you could get in, I think you'd have to be in the mood for it. Whereas this, I think you could get in the mood. Mm. Eh? Eh? Ooh. Uh, anyway. Uh, it's called Model Actress. Dog's Body by Model Actress. Um, well, good. What a good suggestion. We get good suggestions. If you want to suggest stuff to us, I do listen, you know. I actually do. It's one of the few things I do. Mm. Do, do. I may not answer every tweet we get, but I do always listen to every suggestion of a band that we get, unless I see they're on, like, Rise Records or something. <laughs> I go, no. Yes. Uh, or if they're from, you know, something. Okay. No, do, do you remember that guy was like, "Why don't you? When you can do the new Skid Row album?" I was like, "What, Gaz Jones, mate?" No, it wasn't Gaz <laughs> Jones. It wasn't Gaz Jones. But I was like, "Mate, I think you're barking up the wrong tree here." <laughs> Read the sign. Come on, it's in the fucking name now. Yeah. Can't go. Oh God, why are you doing so much pop? It's in the fucking name now, lads. Anyway, I'm going to move on. Uh, we're already quite long. We only got a few minutes. Let's end the show with Weaponized Youth Part One, the debut EP from Snacks, the Brighton-based post-punk Joe. I'm calling them Snacks. Okay, fine. I snacks. Think that might imply how you're going to review this. No. Okay. I fine. just want to call. Them, uh, no. Okay. They're called Snakes. I think they should be called Snacks. Okay. That's fine. Wouldn't that be a good name for a band? Yes. It's not the name of this band, though. It's not the name okay. of this band. No. Okay, they're called Snakes. You've had your Whatever. fun, Steve. Whatever, Come I've had say. Okay, right. So I don't know much about this band. Right, I don't really know much about this band, but they have this, their debut EP uh, that has come out. And, you know, rounding things up to six, aren't we? Thought we'd do this. It's a very quick kind of five-track EP of some pretty leery um, gangster post-punk. Now... I think I want to call them snacks, snakes. <laughs> I think they've that they've pulled a fucking hell of a short straw going this week with Slow Tie and Sleaford Mods and Model Actress yeah. all being reviewed on the same week. I think that's very very unfortunate for them mm-hmm. because what you've got there is three different variants. And I mean, if you chuck in Juju as well, my well, Juju are a post punk band, but if like that kind of post-punk punk rock industrial punky thing right um whatever variant of it you choose 
we've basically reviewed the best version of it of the year this mm. week. Yeah. Um. So it's a little bit of a bummer for them to come to get to the end of the show and we're just going to have to go. I mean, it's not as good as Slow Tie. Because this isn't as good as Slow Tie. But no. no shade on them, right? Because I actually think this is all right. I think this is pretty good. I think it's got some cool stuff on it. I think the opening song, again, does sound a bit like Slaves. Yeah. Uh, but that's decent enough. Um, I stand up, I sit down, I get told to shut up. That's a fucking good hook. Mm-hmm. I sit down, I stand up, I get told to shut up. I think that's a really good hook. That's a really good hook. And the song, um, you know, is essentially about working a shit job. It's called work, and it's about working in a fucking shite job that you hate, right? Two minutes, 25 seconds, balling along, decent. I'm into, like, that, I'm into that. I think that's good. Like, yes, it's not as good as, you know, the very, very best, most kind of expansive, incredible stuff that we've reviewed this week. But it is good. It is good as an opening song to your first ever EP. Well done. You get a gold star and a thumbs up from me. Definitely. Yes, uh, I would echo that. Um, I really, really like the beefy bass guitar tone on it. I think that kind of persists through the whole EP. I think the bass work on this is really, really strong. Um, work, I think, just toes the line between uh, the sort of Bob villainy, sort of social conscious, but like righteously furious that I like, and then the character skit kind of thing that Yard Act do that I don't. But I think it manages to stay on the right side of that. Um, I think Idol's comparisons are quite hard to ignore because it is very punchy, clipped and sort of kitchen sink realism. I think it's a really good first song. I think it maybe gives the wrong impression of how the rest of the EP is going to go because I'd say the rest of it sits more in one lane than work does, um, which I think they do to a pretty high standard on body language and buck. I think those two would be sort of... Those three tracks, Work, Body Language and Buck, would be my absolute highlights on this. I think they're all very strong. I think the latter two on the EP almost hit a bit of a kind of Damon or Barney blurry, kind of cheeky, chappy, slightly sneery, but a little bit more serious kind of vibe in the vocals, which I think is cool. It's a little bit more laid back than the absolute kind of oi frenzy of that first track. I think Deranged is all right. And I think Weaponized, the, the sort of title track, it doesn't quite hit. I don't think it quite lives up to its own its own ideas. I think it's meant to be a big it's rallying cry chorus. Well, it's meant to be a big rallying cry chorus, and it just comes across as a little bit weak. I would say. I think the production on that does not do it justice, and I think the vocal performance just doesn't quite have enough oomph behind it to really make it that kind of rousing centerpiece that they want it to be. But beyond that, I think this is good. I think it's a promising debut EP, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not that memorable, weaponized, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Deranged, which is two minutes and 11 seconds. I think the kind of short, uh, that, that short two are actually really good. Um, Deranged is sort of quick, fast, quite catchy. Mm. Um, again, that kind of early 2000s indie thing. But this time, they remind me of the Ordinary Boys. And actually, I like that first Ordinary Boys album. Um, what Sue of it? me. Um, I am surprised you said you like body language mm. because I think, so I think Buck is, let, let, should I do the, 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 do you want the good news or the bad news, Sam? Good news. Okay, right. Buck is the best song on the EP. I think it's fucking great. Yeah. The hook, that rumbling, propulsive bass, goddamn just tenderize my eyelids is also a really, really good line, a really, really good hook. That is really good. Body language, 
sounds like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I do not know what they're doing on that song. Red Hot Chili Peppers? He sounds like Anthony Kiedis on that song. No, I don't hear he that does. at all. He sounds... Nah, he does. He sounds like Anthony Kiedis on that song. <sighs> well, and he, that just it, made me go, oh, he sounds like Anthony Kiedis here, mate. Well, do that. well, body language is better than anything Red Hot Chili Peppers have done since 2006, if I'm being generous. You're being very generous. Yeah. Um, To Red Hot Chili Peppers, that is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not actually... It's not rubbish, but... There's a bloody Anthony Kiedis. It's it's an Anthony Kiedis vocal. Is my and I was like, once I heard it, I was like, I can't unhear it. I can't unhear that it sounds. He sounds a bit like Anthony Kiedis. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't remind me. Don't remind me of Anthony Kiedis. If you had a building, and it was shaped like, even if even if it wasn't, if you looked at it and you went, it just looks like the, the, the Twin Towers. It would remind you'd go. I can't look at it now because it just reminds me of something horrific. Oh, I thought you were going to say if you looked at a building and said it reminds me of Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> yeah, you'd just petrol bomb you know, it. Obviously, yeah. you would. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but you'd be like, it's just unfortunately, no matter what else goes on around it, it reminds me of a tragedy. And <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, he, this it does remind me a bit of Anthony Kiedis on that song. And thusly, I'm just like, oh, I don't know don't know about this i'm not really that keen on it but i think you got five tracks on here you got three good ones you got one that's probably is all right but he reminds me about nikidis and you got one which isn't like massively memorable Mm. that's pretty good i Mm. think you know making an ep as your debut ep of this style and and having us review it in this particular week is such an unfortunately high bar but i think they represent the most digestible version and most instantaneous version of the thing that we're talking about here today. Mm. Now, if you've gone, you lot, you two, you lot, like <laughs> you two, you two are very keen on all these things and I've never really gone in on any of them and I feel a little bit out of my depth, which I'm sure you listening, I'm sure there's not many of you who feel like that, but if you are one of those people and you like the sound of all that stuff, but you don't really know where to start and you feel a bit daunted by it all, this actually might be the best release of the week for you because ultimately what it does is it takes a bit of sleep with mods and it takes a bit of slow tie, which I think along with Model Actress, you know, they're the, they're the three really good ones this week, yeah. aren't they? Oh, they're yeah. The they're the three really good. Actually, no, Periphery's really I, good as yeah. well. I, don't... <laughs> yeah. I like everything that we've done this week a lot. I, I would say, um, yeah, slow tie is definitely top for me. I'd say Model Actress might be my silver medal and then sleep with mods on the podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then periphery, oh, ooh, not far behind really, at all. No, no, every, everything's pretty good this week. Mm. I mean, you know, this uh, would represent, uh, like I say, the if you are going, oh, I don't know what this sort of stuff that you're talking about is, but I'm interested in it. You could put this on and go, well, at least you know, like I, I get it straight away, and mm-hmm. these are good songs. He does sound a bit like Anthony Kiedis on one of them. Fine. <laughs> no, he um, doesn't. Which is, a, he, I think, I don't know, he just does. I just think he does. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Weaponized Youth, part one by Snakes. No. It's because it says, it. it's Snacks. It's nearly, it's not. <laughs> snakes. Yeah. Snakes. It is snakes. Strange. To it's concede S- to Steve. Yeah. It's S N A Y X. So snakes. But you could say snake snacks. <laughs> you could say snacks. It's like Tim Curry in Red Alert 3. Spice. 
<laughs> what? Well, don't worry. Video Red games, alert. you can get it. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't know about that. No. Uh, all right, don't anyway. know about that nerd shit. Oh, I like video games. I've been playing a golf game on my PlayStation 5 the other day. Get in the what hole. What man wouldn't? What man wouldn't? Um, all right, cool. Right, okay, good. So next week on the show, that's it, by the way. We're going now. See you later. Uh, next week on the show, I will report back from seeing Lizzo. Oh, a queen and saviour. Fighter, did you call me? Yeah, fighter, yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, yeah, Liz, I'm going to see Liz at the O2. Yeah. Fuck all you. You're <laughs> not, are you? Anyone who's not going, fuck you. I'm better than you. <laughs> fuck you. So uh, enjoy me saying that again next week. Mm. Should be a laugh, eh? That'll be a rum do. Yeah, bloody will. Uh, what are you doing, Sam? <laughs> going to work again. <laughs> fucking busy week, mate. <laughs> all right good well we'll see you next week everyone thank you very much for listening go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop and sign up for all the exclusive stuff that we do it's always a good time over there and uh we'll be back next week with me chatting about lizzo and a lot of other stuff as well probably miley cyrus as well lizzo and definitely miley Miley cyrus Cyrus. Yeah, yeah definitely miley cyrus all right see you later everyone goodbye goodbye